Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. All right, we are now one and four, and Scotty are pretty watching from tonight as the Sydney Roosters or East put our boys away fairly easily in a match, but there wasn't much positives to take out of it. Yeah, it was like it was a training run, especially for the first 15 minutes. It was over then. The first minute when it was a penalty and try, I was like, oh, goodness, we could not give them anything, and we did straight away. Six again, penalty, and then try. <laughs> was that the trifecta of Lachlan Lewis? He contributed to six again and the penalty. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I know he did come flying out the line and um, caused the gap. They were scrolled for a minute later. Mm, yeah. Alrighty, get... before we get into the game itself, the game was moved 27 hours from 4pm Sunday afternoon until 7pm Monday night due to a COVID scare at a Sutherland Shire school. Teacher tested positive, I believe. Aiden Tolman's kid goes to that school, so he had to go for a COVID test and then go into 14 days quarantine period. Not great preparation for a game against the uh, well, a team looking for the free feet. Well, that's something that I was watching footy, the Sunday footy show and everyone was saying how they felt sorry for the Roosters being put on hold. I think it was David Ricardo saying how sorry he felt for the Roosters. You know, their whole preparation's been moved... For another day, I was actually no. I feel so well so for the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs players woke up on Sunday morning expecting to play. They were ready to go, and then just because of one thing, they just to stop them at all. Like you know, they had to go for COVID. All of them had to do a COVID nineteen test that afternoon to make sure they were allowed to play on Monday. So the big That's bubble of fifty forty nine of them had to go get the test together to make sure they were good to go on Monday. So the Roosters didn't have to worry about the test. The Roosters just got a day off. The Bulldogs had to come to training to do a test and then find out results. And then the results, I think they broke on Monday at 4 o'clock when they said they were all good to go. Um, hopefully the results obviously came in earlier. But I was like, that's a, a bit, I think it's a bit, a bit of a, you get a little bit scared, especially when one of the, the people, Aidan Tolman, he's got contact with his kids and the, the bubble. Well, I don't believe the uh, Roosters had a day off. They went in and did another captain's run as you normally do the day before your game. Um, it would have been a bit hard for the Bulldogs before the testing. Uh, 49 negative tests. Sucks that we, at Tom, had to go into 14-day quarantine period. That would have affected uh, leading into that game as well. Um, but you know who I feel sorry for the most? Who's that? You, for uh, having to endure a Channel 9 program. <laughs> yes. I was actually, actually, to be fair, I flicked it through on Twitter. I didn't turn on Channel 9. <laughs> it was just on the Twitter feed. <laughs> Unless, of course, Channel 9 is looking to sponsor this um, podcast, which in which case we love Channel 9. Great long-term partners of the NRL. Great, Great footy shows. Yeah, they've got the best in analysis in the, in the business. Especially in the 90s. Yeah. They're pretty good right. now, too. The Sydney Roosters won the game 42 points to 6. Kieran Foran, Jake Avrilio, and DWZ, the only ones really looking likely to cause the Roosters issues throughout the match. As I said earlier, losing Ada Tomlin from the game late in preparation probably did help. They have led to the poor defence that looked uh, to be looked like a lack of organisation. The Roosters are a very good team, and I just hope they don't go on to win three premierships in a row. 
Good luck, Parramatta, this week. Mm, I mean, I think Tolman was a massive out. I mean, they went through the middle a few times at, uh, last night. So which now everyone is recording Tuesday night this week. But they went straight through the middle. Uh, Tolman tightens up that middle third perfectly. He's the, he's the leader in that forward pack. He's the... Uh, He's the Mr. Everything doesn't miss tackles. He gets through a ton of metres every game. And unfortunately, no one was up to Tolman's standard to replace him. They try- Dylan Arpa tried to do the big minutes, but he came out with very poor run metres and uh, a fair bit of missed tackles. So they were definitely almost, missing. Almost everyone came out of that with uh, pretty poor run metres that game. Um, yeah, we are recording on Tuesday night, so once... Breaking news happens on Wednesday and Thursday. It's not in this episode. Uh, just remember that because something always happens right after we record. Well, sometimes at one stage it was during the episode where we had to stop <laughs> and get the details. Uh, the magic world of podcasting. All right, Scotty, should we go into our players of the week? Well, before yeah. that, do you want to highlight some players that did well uh, to shortlist? Uh, I'll just have to say, Rob Swamunga, he made some meters off the bench. Uh, Morgan Harper did well off uh, of what he had in front of him. He made over 40 metres in a space of four runs. But again, it's an interesting move to have a centre on the bench to replace a centre through the game. It's yeah. I thought he might have played a bit of hooker at the end or something, or they might have shifted Avilio into hooker to try something different. But it's a bit bizarre when you swap a centre for a centre. They know what the they're doing. Are they trying to give Jake Avilio a break? But he keeps he's, coming back on. Um, yeah, but he's playing about 70 minutes uh, per game. So is it just to give him a short break to put him back out there? Is Because he's young and uh, early on in his career, is that the reason? Um, he looks like he's handling it pretty comfortably, so I don't know why that would be the reason. Um, I, I, I'm surprised that Sione Katawa hasn't got a game yet off the bench. Yeah, I feel like it makes more sense, and I know Marshall King goes for a mountain of work. I don't know if that impacts his ability to run, because we know how quick Marshall King actually is uh, when he gets given open space, but he's just making tackle after tackle, so he's not really... When your pack off... gets dominated, you don't get much of a chance to run. Yeah, and he's just never... But he's, even when, he, when we do win games and stuff, he just doesn't... He plays the 80 minutes, he makes 50 tackles, usually a game, or high 40s, and then, you know, that's pretty tiring work for a player. I would say Adam Elliott was Adam Elliott played with a lot of passion, like always. Uh, last night, he definitely vocal cheered on the try. Uh, he's really he's, stepped up this season. Yeah, he's just really getting. He's I think he's really taking the mould of uh, being a leader. He's he's now getting to that middle stage of his career now. He's no longer a pup anymore. So what comes with more responsibility? Uh, he's enjoying that. Uh, but I mean, there's more negatives in this performance than positives. That's why we did come on the wrong end of a scoreboard of 42-6. I mean, are we allowed to take points away from players in the leaderboard? No. Oh, because I was going to say, Lachlan Lewis gets a minus 20 to start off with. Because that <laughs> was rubbish. As a halfback, we found out Alan Elliott's got a better shoulder kicking game than Lachlan Lewis does. <laughs> and, and he does penalty, six agains, handling errors... The list goes on for Lachlan Lewis, and it's amazing that he's actually made the cut in the 21-man squad this week. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Cogger is in the 21, so who knows? I think Cogger and Waker both are 
Yes, they are. I've got the list a bit later, so they're both in the 21. Maybe there'll be a bit of a shift later. Even having someone like, sorry, even having someone like Wakeham Cogger on the bench would probably make more sense than having an out-and-out centre. Yeah, who, yeah. anyone else you want to highlight? And I've, well, sorry, I was going on with that bench spot. I'm, having Avarillo on the bench kind of makes more sense because he's got more versatility about him. Mm. Versatility about him. He can play wing, centre, halves. And having an out-and-out centre, it's a bit weird. Uh, the only highlights that I've got this week outside of my mail the matches, who we'll get to later, is Jeremy Marshall keeping made 47 tackles and Dylan Narfa made 42 tackles. <laughs> Apart from that, it wasn't too much to highlight. Oh, Napa uh, after, after what you've said, of course. Yeah, Napa's uh, didn't make many meters. He made almost a, a meter a minute, <laughs> and he was he was definitely manhandled a few times, which wasn't good because I was expecting hopefully him to really rev up against the old club. He was given the opportunity to be that senior forward, and he did not take that very well. <laughs> there we go. All righty, Scott. I've just pulled up the. Player of the Year leaderboard, so let's go through our Player of the Rounds this week. Yeah, yeah, do you want me to go first? I'll, go, I'll give two points to Kieran Foran. Okay. He looked dangerous. He looked good. He was, um, he, uh, he's, he's got the try. If anyone deserved the try for the last two weeks of performance, I was like, he deserved one. He's he's looks dangerous. He looks like he's going to crack them. And I've given... Um, my one point to Christian Crichton, who had the almost impossible mission to stop Daniel Tupu, and he did. He was solid in defence. He kept making metres all night. He ran hard. He reminds me of some sense of a Dallin when he runs back into the uh, the defensive line. Yeah, he's a much smaller man too, so he he definitely runs. He runs hard. Uh, he's made a lot of metres. He was over the hundred metres. Like he's someone that you know that is a winger that loves the hard yakka. He's not he's not uh, afraid to help the forwards out, and the forwards definitely need help this game, and he was happy to come in multiple occasions and run like he's 10 feet tall and 150 kilos, but he was someone I thought was impressive, and how he didn't score that try. Daniel Tupu sat yeah. on his foot. He sat on his foot, and his foot went out. <laughs> any, um, other, any other day, I reckon we've got to try. In that, in that yeah. position, that the foot doesn't... It, that's just unlucky. He deserved a try, but I'm he also did a great um, defusal of a bomb late in the game in the uh, in goal area uh, up against Tupu. Yeah, Very good. and one of my favourite things of Christian Crichton is when he got up and there was the tackle in the air penalty, and he got the ball. He just stood up and smiled at Daniel Tupu like, "Ha I won the bet- I won the battle." But also that, that one, chase, yeah. he chased the Morris boys, and Brett Morris flew it back into Josh, and then Christian Crichton was in the middle of it, took the catch. Those little tiny moments. That he could have easily gave up on the chase, or you know, the game was already lost. He just seemed to have a really good attitude. And people were saying weeks before his uh, poor defence. I think when he plays outside with Dallin, they both looked all right because all the uh, points were coming on the other end. The most impressive thing out of that for me was that Dallin, even though playing centre, still had those runs from the backfield. Um, Yeah, which which obviously just playing centre doesn't mean that you can't do that. But it's great that he was actively involving himself in that part of the game, despite the shift to centre, uh, which was, I think, a lot of people on uh, social media were questioning the move to centre because of how good his kick returns are and his uh, first or second tackle hit-ups um, off, a, off a kick return from the team. Uh, but he did that anyway. 
And uh, I think Christian Crichton ran for 137 metres. Yeah, in the game against the Roosters. Very good, uh, considering that uh, we got absolutely smashed. All right, this week I've gone with Jake Avrilio. Two points. He was impressive. He was very close to getting a point with me or two. I was actually tossing up between the three of them, and that's how I decided to split my points. So he was easily could have got two, but he ended yeah, up with nothing live, for me. Live wire looked to be our best chance of breaking the Roosters' defence. I look forward to seeing him develop further. He has uh, been named on the week for the next game, so it'll be interesting to see. I also gave one point to Kieran Foran. Uh, again, the direction he gives the team and the feel for the game that he has. He made a few half breaks throughout the game, and I would hate to have seen what would have happened if he wasn't on the field for this game. Uh, and because he gets uh, one point from me and two points from you, he gets an extra point, Scotty. So it's four points for him for Foz this four week. Four points out of the one week for Kieran Foran. Uh, in the new leaderboard, uh, remembering that rounds one and two still haven't got in, uh, I have rewatched round one and got my two players uh, with round two to go. What are you up to with that? Stopped round one. <laughs> haven't, haven't, haven't watched haven't, the first game. All right. Got yet. Let's do the leaderboard. And currently, again, excluding rounds one and two, uh, the leader is still Aidan Tolman on seven points. Kieran Foran is now in second place with six points. Uh, and then Jake Avrilio and Josh Jackson. I've got two points. Christian Crichton, Dallin Watelli, Zalaziak, and Suaso Su, one point each. Fascinating. Like, we're missing our player of the year, Tolman. Don't tell me the result doesn't change. I'm not saying a win, but I'm not saying 42 6 is not 42 6 with Tolman in there. All right. Next week, we take on the Cronulla Sharks. And the positive thing about that is that there were also one win and four losses. Struggling, and uh, their coach is under attack from the menu for his job. Hold on to Australians game all over again. Interesting. If that's the case, do we win? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. What's your feelings? Just before we look, dive into the teams and everything. Just you know, uh, it's a Tuesday I like night. We'll, I feel like we'll have a better. We we'll, have to have a better performance than what we just had on Monday. Um, I feel like we'll go close against the Sharks after watching the Sharks play their first five games. Uh, they've obviously got... Same with the Dragons. They've got a better, talented roster than us, but uh, I think we'll be able to get the win. Oh, come close to getting the win, at least. Well, I want to say, mark it down. Two points coming on Sunday for the Bulldogs. <laughs> They'll get well, the we, job done. They'll get it done. It won't be pretty, but it'll get, be done. Yeah. Desperately need it. Uh, Dean Payne's under a bit of pressure from the media and also the classist uh, merchants on Twitter. Is it fair that he's under pressure or do you think we should think just so. wait to the season's end and just review it then? Look, a slow start to the season doesn't look good for him. Uh, I've said this before on the podcast because that's what's happened the last two years. One would uh, think that even if he had, one could argue that even if he had the team that he wanted, uh, we might still have a slow start. And I think long term, that's going to hurt him more than anything else, especially if um, we have another slow start and a really good finish at the end of the season. Um, I must say, though, I'm of the thinking that um, 
he did put us in this position. He's inherited a really shit situation uh, from a previous coach and CEO. And I think he should uh, be given the opportunity, or I'd like to see him be given the opportunity to morph the team that he wants and um, see what he can do with them. I must say, though, against the Roosters, I mean, there's plenty of negatives, but we highlighted someone like Christian Crichton's attitude to the game, who just ran hard, tried to help the forwards out. We highlighted people like Dallin Martini Zelezniak with that attitude. You know, you've got your Josh Jacksons. He played well. He ran off to Mamunga, Raymond Fatale and Maranath. But it genuinely looked like we always gave effort to the end. It genuinely, like, at the start, penalty, penalty, and it looked like there was still energy and effort to the end. When we've lost the game, like I, that's why I gave Christian Crichton the one point that that intercept he made to save the try, the the kick defusal he made a break down the sideline once. Like there's times where that was just highlighting Christian Crichton, but there's times where we genuinely cared. Dean Britt trying to put a shot on. I remember him trying to make something happen. Him stopping an offload. Dean Britt with his arm, when someone went for the offload, he actually smacked the arm as the offload was happening, so the ball went flying forward. There was those little things that when you can easily, when the scoreboard's against you like that, and that heavy, there's things that players, and especially players of little experience in top grade, can just get away from, those winning certain battles. But it felt like we tried to win every battle to the end, and we're just outclassed by a much better side. So I think there's a positive of attitude. We're not as good as that side, and that was and there's certain players, and I'm going to say it again, like Lachlan Lewis, who just he undone some of the great work some other players did. When we forced an error, Lachlan Lewis straight away off that lost the ball. There was certain things that certain players, but I think as a, most of them were trying to the end. They were fighting to the end to get points. And so like Kieran Foran was, the, and he was another person who just fights to the end. So I think there's, that's a positive out of the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, turning our attention back to the Sharks. Um, our team lineup has been announced, obviously. It's Tuesday night. So team list Tuesday. Fullback Will Hopalati, the wingers of Christian Clayton and Jake Avrilio, as we mentioned earlier. Remus, Remus Smith and Dallin Watelli-Tessiak have been named in the centres. Kieran Foran and Lachlan Lewis in the halves. Rudolph Tuamunga and Dylan Napper are the front rowers with uh, Jeremy Marshall Kick and Hooker again. Josh Jackson and Raymond Fatalabarina has been really, really good at the second row. Uh, Adam Elliott locks the scrum. And our eight man bench before uh, obviously cutting later in the week Kieran Holland, Dean Britt, Salasa Sue, and Hiki Ogden, Sione Katawa. Brandon Waker, Morgan Harper, and Jack Conger. What do you think, Scott? Well, I want to say it. I'll say it again. Lachlan Lewis needs to be away from game day. He doesn't make the 19 cut. I'm surprised after the performance you can produce that. that he's been, there's been no secret he's been disappointing all year. His best game, he started off poorly and was pretty much under... under. If you gave him a 10-star rating, his best game is a 4 out of 10 this year. So to get that much opportunities, like Kieran Foran can't do it all himself. I'd rather give someone like Wakeham or Cogger a run or even potentially getting someone like Morgan Harper in the side and put Avilio in the halves. They just yeah. put Remus and Jalen on the wing. We've spoken about that before. I'd love to see Wakeham get a go with uh, Foran. I reckon he could load a few things there. That'd be great to see. 
Anyway, stat of the week time, Scotty. What's this and, stat? Oh, well, as, as everything else, not a great stat. <laughs> not for us, anyway. Bulldogs have won one of our last six matches against the Cronulla Sharks. That's not good. <laughs> that's uh, not good. No, no, but that's the stat of the week. So we'll just keep on this uh, theme of depression. So we win. But as, if we look at the shark side when we go head to head, I think we beat them in the forwards amazingly. We've formed oh. this year. Well, let's go by f- because watching the Sharks and Dragons game, Fafita looked. Looks a bit underdone. He looks a bit out of shape. Um, he's, he's like I was going to say. His knee, his knee's been put, causing him trouble for a while, and he looked a bit uncomfortable out there. Looked at Aaron Woods. Aaron Woods had he missed a very very simple tackle. He looked a very very lazy. He looks like someone else who has been training too hard over the COVID period. Um, the Sharks do have the talent. But we say Woods and Fafita. They both played Origin. Fafita's played for two countries. Woods has played for Australia. Like these are meant to be world class props, but the Dragons on the weekend they made them look like uh, they were reserve graders coming into top grade for the first time. They they've been out of touch all year. Uh, but the biggest fear for me watching the Sharks is Wade Graham at second row. He just yeah. makes things happen. Uh, do you expect Bryson Gordon to get a run this week? He was named on the reserve list for the Cronulla Sharks. Do you expect him to yeah. make the 17? No, nah, I don't think he will. Not this week. Maybe next week. Fair enough. I think it's just to, to signal that their intentions of having him in top grade in the near future. Um, head-to-head for this week's game, uh, the two teams have played 104 times. The Bulldogs have won 58 and lost 43 with three draws. So we've got the, got the better of the head-to-head there. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, better than last week. All right. Uh, not much news this week because, again, it's only Tuesday. Um, but Luke Thompson over the weekend, Scott has made his way to Melbourne to be quarantined uh, for two weeks before he's allowed to join his new teammate. So it's good to see that um, the club and uh, Luke himself has moved uh, very quickly and he's already in the country undergoing that period. So, Well, there's a good chance that we actually get Tolman and him back in the same round. Well, get Tom and, and then him joining for the first round because he'll be available for round eight which looks very unlikely we wouldn't name someone out of quarantine getting out of the hotel into a game No, he's probably have to have I think after he joins the team I think you'll probably do and this is just my opinion, I haven't heard anything yet but I think you'll probably do like two weeks of training So um, you got him for round ten type of return? Yeah, oh, probably because you, you've got to remember that Super League went into um, the, their suspension of the season earlier than the NRL, and they, they're they not back yet. So he hasn't been playing any football. Um, what, what did the NRL have? Two weeks? Three weeks training beforehand? Yeah. Two weeks, wasn't it? It was two or three weeks, I think, or something like that, yeah. Yeah, so... before they played. So I think Luke Thompson will probably train two weeks before actually playing. And I think that um, is not only um, fair to the club, I think that's fair to Luke. Yeah, we talked about an underdone player. Like you yeah. said, he hasn't played any games. We can't ease him into a cup game or anything because yeah. it's none of, that's not even on. 
So well, we couldn't even. It's already been cancelled for the year. So yeah, I know, but it's something you could have like actually dropped him in. You could have dropped him in that yeah. week to play like twenty-five or thirty minutes off the bench or something, just to see how he goes at a second level. And you know, nothing better than actually game time under your belt to be better. But uh, also on the news thing was uh, the mention of we mentioned Aiden Tolman earlier in the show that Aiden Tolman's going to spend fourteen days in quarantine uh, after, like you said, that he's. Son goes to a school in the in the Shire where the teacher tested a positive COVID nineteen test. Uh, do you think for, like fourteen days? I feel like that's a long like it's a long time. But if he passes, I've heard he's had to do another test. Tolman, he's already passed the negative test. I think he's got another two coming up. He's he's doing another one this week and one at the end of the week. If he passes the one at the end of the week. Surely, I mean, I know they said 14 days, but surely that should be enough for him to come back the week after instead of missing three games if he's passed three tests. That's a lot of tests to pass. That's a lot of swabs up the nose. Look, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, to me, it seems like this is more a New South Wales government thing than oh, a, a NRL thing. So if the New South Wales government wants everybody who's connected to that school to undertake 14 days of quarantine, that's what's going to happen regardless of test results. I just, I just feel though, like it's just so hard to have. I mean, he's been voted our best player so far this year from us, regarding yeah. round one and round two. But disregarding, yeah, sorry, Yeah, so no round one, no round two. We had Tolman play. We've got him leading the. He's still leading the board, by the way, and he's missed the game for us now. That he made two hundred meters against the Dragons. Plus, he was over two hundred meters, made thirty-eight tackles. Didn't have a missed tackle next to his name. Is that's absolutely crazy figures for a prop? How does uh, Aiden like the, missing him? Like he is such a big part of our side, and he controls. He can play eighty minutes if required. If not, he plays very big minutes that not many forwards can produce the same quality for the length of the game like Aiden can. Uh, so it's just disappointing that we probably lose arguably our best player in the team. Well, definitely yeah. this year he's been our best player. Yeah, it is. Um, it's disappointing, but that's the way it is. All right, Scotty, it's time for your favorite part of the week. It's old dog. It is my favorite part of the week, and I always like my little connections to who Bulldogs are playing this week, to who gets old dog. So I'm pretty sure you know this who this is is because I haven't told you. But uh, think of a famous bulldog who played for the Sharks. Think of a favourite, a uh, f- uh, very famous last name in Belmore. And uh, that's your old... Yeah, exactly. Corey Hughes' old dog this week. Uh, also, he's... You just... I don't know. Like, it's been... It's almost feels like a, ages that he's played, but it's also felt like yesterday at the same time that he played. He was a 2004 Premiership winner. Him and Adam Perry shared the hooker... The hooker role for the Bulldogs for a while in the middle there. They were a, a quite a combination. Very, they were like uh, very different body shapes as well. They were, they were fascinating. But he's played for the Bulldogs, like you said, long. You were talking about with Rod Silver when he missed two hundred games, and yeah. he said that's how long his career was. He was at the Bulldogs for eleven seasons. At the Bulldogs, that's incredible. Then he finished off with the Sharks that one season with the Sharks because he made the City team in two thousand and eight. And he thought there could be rep honours. That's when Michael Ennis came to the Bulldogs 2009. Uh, but he did make the City team when it was 
when it meant something. I uh, I think he's... It wasn't a great but, year at the Sharks. Three wins and 18 losses. Oh, it wasn't a great year. But uh, a bulldog through and through. But he's very consistent with his games throughout his whole career. When he started, like his first season he in 1998, he played 15 games. Not many people can say they've played a big chunk of games in their first season. It was just yeah, consistent. He played a great final that year too. Yeah, he did like, he? He could have been a halfback when he premiership when he halfback for the club. Wasn't to be that we got thrashed in that in that particular great final. But in two thousand and four, we beat the Roosters where he was playing hooker. Yes, he, uh, that famous uh, was it Flannery. He was running through and Milicello, Milicello ran through and Corey Hughes tackled him <laughs> for the shepherd. Well, that could have easily if that was a try. Roosters game looks ugly. At seventeen, at seventeen nil. Yeah, absolutely. But he was a uh, quite a uh, I don't know what you say like a bit of a bit of a pest. Uh, you do remember him? To- I do remember him playing at the Adelaide Oval uh, for the Bulldogs. I think it was actually against the Sharks. Uh, Sharks were coming home strong. Bulldogs just held a tight lead, and then he had to tie his shoelaces right in front of the dropout. He had the uh, the classic headache when he was laying down and said, "I've got a headache." Uh, <laughs> He was the master of slowing down the clock. Uh, he was a. It was just. It was actually quite disappointing that he uh, did leave uh, the Bulldogs to go to Cronulla. However, did you know he's got a hundred percent goal kicking record? Yes, I know. It's the last game for the Bulldogs. He kicked the uh, the traditional uh, going away goal, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's good to keep. That was another loss. It's Canberra. I'm highlighting. We're highlighting all the losses here, a bit, Scotty. Um, I try to highlight. He did play 213 games over the course of 11 seasons for us, scoring 28 tries and kicking with that one from one goals. He also got one field goal, <laughs> so that gives him 115 points for his career and for the club. Didn't score a point for the Sharks. Uh, he won 120 games for us, lost 88 with five draws and a winning percentage of 56. So that tells me that he played in very successful teams, obviously. Late 90s, early 2000s, a strong period for the club. And stop highlighting his games we lost with him, because I tried to bring up the 2004 Grand Final, and you're just (laughs) (laughs) saying, but isn't that bizarre to play two clubs and only get the points at one club? I know he only played one season. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit odd you would have like scored a point somewhere. Uh, yeah, but he won the grand final in 2004, playing off the bench with Riazatazi, Sully, Bill Williams and Jonathan Thurston. Adam Perry starting the grand final. I think from memory, Perry started because of his defence. Yeah, but it's all fascinating. It was like a, it was complete, like almost opposite. I mean, there were hookers, like, you know, you had your little nugget hooker and then you had yeah. your uh, no thrills, just a, uh, Got the job done, and you had Mr. Uh, Corey Hughes was a pest. Yeah, I suppose that's because Corey Hughes went from like uh, being a halves player out into the hooker, and you get that from those type of players. Think like Cameron Smith, Michael Wallace, they've all got um, history of playing halves early in their career, uh, and they're also the biggest pest on the field. Adam Perry was probably one of the, one of the last of the old school hookers. Um, mm. When I say old school hooker, I don't mean seventies hooker that was like a prop and do a scrum. I mean, he was a bit bulkier. Uh, he had a great passing game, and he uh, he focused on great service to his his forwards and his playmakers. 
uh, with his passing and great defense. Where Corey Hughes, um, defense, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, he was weaker than Perry, but he wasn't like a, a pushover. But mm. he was a bit of a, a bit more of a live wire. He, a, a good running game out of dummy half. Um, game manager as well. And that probably but, you saw why. Why as well, good kicker of dummy half. Uh, you probably saw why him coming off the bench, being that impact player, where hey, you said Perry started with really great defence. Would that be one of the best? I mean, that, I know we had that, those in the days when the interchanges were up at twelve interchanges, but that yep. almost probably has to go down the Perry Hughes combination as one of the best hooker combinations. I yeah, think almost, I, I almost, think e- so. almost ever. <laughs> yeah, not that, for the Bulldogs. Period. That period of time, you always had a hooker on the field and a hooker on the bench. Well, it felt, it felt like that. Um, so, yeah, from that era, I think it was probably the best one-two punch. Yeah, they complemented each other. But also, it's not old dog Adam Perry this this week. It's old dog Corey Hughes this week. I feel like Adam Perry just got praised on the pedestal. And we're talking <laughs> about all Corey Hughes' losses at the club. Uh Corey Hughes did go on to play 20 finals games for the Bulldogs in his time. That's a lot of finals experience for Corey. Winning 10, 10 of those games, so quite successful in finals. Uh, even, yeah, like you said, like it was good to have such an experienced player that almost forgot that he started his career in 98. In 2004, he was midway through it, but he looked so young out there. <laughs> he, looks, he looked fresh. He looked like a, the baby face Corey Hughes out there. Uh, that I actually, when I, watch, when I watch the games, I go, wow, he's so young. And then I go, well, he's in his sixth year of the NRL, his seventh season. He's been doing this for... We had such a good uh, young squad coming through at that time, though, too, didn't we? Well, that was the era of uh, the Brent Show and those type of players as well. They all came through all at once, almost when all the, uh, the older schools retired. 98 yeah. to 99, 2000 was a big transition period for the club. But could you believe the club won a grand final with Hughes and Thurston on the bench? I know they, the the shuffle around and how they could keep first because the master being able to play that that lock that five eight lock type of role because he's got that bigger body in Asta. I know how yeah. like it shuffled around, but if you looked at that now, not being a Bulldogs fan, looking just back at grand finals and looking at the interchange bench, having Jonathan Thurston who looked like he weighed seventy five kilos, uh, being soaking wet if he jumped in the pool before he went out to play, and Corey Hughes, very little men on the bench. It was quite a small bench. Yeah, um, you're right. Um, but it's probably a credit to uh, Corey Hughes that he he played halfback five eight in the first three years of his career, but then played for the rest of it. So, in, um, well, there's a game here or there, halfback or five eight. But um, the fact that he that we had someone like Brunshaw coming through at halfback, so he adapted his game into a position that's back then way more different than it is uh, now to the half, and uh, exceeded. Do you think uh, him playing, being a halfback helped him being hooker, as in the sense that he knows what a halfback wants, how the ball to be dished up and how to scream? Because you've seen some halfbacks go there who failed. Probably helped. It was probably that first wave of hookers that changed the game from just great service to your halfback who controls the game to the hooker either helping or controlling the game himself. Yeah. I think he was... I think Corey Hughes had a magnificent career. Yeah, absolutely. He was a legend of the club for what he did for the club, but uh, obviously part of the family before that with the last name that he carries. Uh, Hughes. Good to see him play with brothers at different times of his career too, Glenn Hughes and Stephen Hughes. It's royalty, isn't it? Absolutely is. Um, 
That's right. Uh, do you want to speak about your special conversation you had yesterday or not? Yeah, I had it in. So for those who didn't know, I did have a birthday yesterday and I was amazed my partner was able to organise a phone call from someone that I've always idolised and that was the great Hazamel Majri decided to give me a call at work. I decided to step out of the office for maybe, it was about, it was, I think it was a seven-minute phone call off the top of my head, and Hazamel Majri, absolutely magnificent. He actually spoke about his family and what he's doing. He's helping out a security business out uh, in uh, the Bulldogs area with his brother. He's uh, look, helping look after properties with one of his cousins, and he's also there at game day for the Bulldogs. He's a busy man. He says he does enough to keep busy and to keep going, but not too much to not enjoy life. Uh, it's so good to see someone who doesn't have to do any of this, just does it from his kindness of his heart. He's uh, a terrific, terrific... Uh, it, was just, it was just... I think he said, I uh, was shocked that when he called and how much detail, I thought he might have just said happy birthday and off he, off he goes. But uh, he was saying happy birthday. He spoke about my life a bit and what work I've done and the field I'm in. And he, we spoke about the Bulldogs for a little bit. Uh, he did say he was hoping for a good win against the Roosters. <laughs> Unfortunately, that wasn't to be. And I said we could uh, use with some of you coming through the grades, and he laughed. So it was a, it was good fun having a conversation with Hazem. Unfortunately, caught on a no caller ID, so I can't call him back. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely a highlight of my day. <laughs> what a legend! Um, and the best part about that is now we can call him in front of the podcast, Hazem Almazri. So every yes. time we speak about Hazem Almazri, it's front of the podcast. As a just like Steve Allen, <laughs> just the voice there. All right, uh, and on that note, goodbye. Goodbye. Make sure you get in touch with us on our our social media at NRL Bulldogs fans on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans for our Instagram, and uh, please someone flick us a, an email. It's very quiet at uh, NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail dot com. Have your say at our podcast. You can uh, give us good, hopefully positive feedback, anything you want discussed, any uh, opinion you want voiced, any of those, any, any of those socials, let us know and we'll try to add it on to our show. <laughs>